Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Your calling? Do you long to witness and support the awesome power of women as we make life, form kinship, and transform the world through undisturbed, mother-centered birth? In your most expansive vision of your life, are you the authentic midwife of your community? Walking in total grace, reciprocity, and trust with women through the sacred portal of pregnancy and birth? Then our groundbreaking Radical Birthkeeper School is for you. It's an immersive and intensive, fast-paced live program in all things authentic midwifery and self-mastery that will give you the blueprint and guidance to launch a life-altering, world-shaking Radical Birth brand and business. Think Birth Business Mastermind, life-changing coaching intensive, deep dive into all things birth, step-by-step roadmap for serving women authentically, and the wise woman initiation that you have been dreaming of, all rolled into one epic program that will change your entire life. It is time to become the lighthouse that guides women home to themselves. Head over to RadicalBirthKeeperSchool.com and grab your spot because we are enrolling now and we always sell out. Say yes to your calling and join us in this revolution of bringing birth back home. www.radicalbirthkeeperschool.com sharing with you all a conversation I recently recorded with Yolanda Norris Clark, the co-creator of the Radical Birthkeeper School and the Complete Guide to Free Birth. We discuss vaginal exams, rape culture, the romanticization of indigenous and traditional midwifery, radical birthkeeping, free birth, and the power dynamics of industrial obstetrics. What we know of birth has been inevitably filtered through the medical industry, but what is the truth about birth? Join us as we hop right into it. And if you want to learn authentic midwifery the way we practice it, the Radical Birthkeeper School is open for enrollment and we begin February 2023. What is authentic midwifery? I mean, what I observe in the world is that licensed midwives are practicing industrial medical midwifery and so-called independent midwives are practicing industrial (laughs) medical midwifery and indigenous midwives in jungles are practicing industrial medical midwifery and our entire cultural frame for what a gentle, beautiful, physiological, natural birth looks like is inevitably filtered through the lens of the industrial medical approach because there are just hardly any people in the world who've ever witnessed or experienced what birth actually can be if people are not sabotaging it, interfering with it, 
abusing managing. mothers and yep. babies during it, managing it. Right. And all of that completely shifts the dynamic, whether it's this, I mean, you know, it's actually very hard to talk about this. It's very difficult to kind of capture and a way of describing this because the, the, the very idea of what it means to interfere in birth, to hurt women. I mean, we've been so conditioned in this culture to not only submit to, but, but to, 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 to seek out uh, harm that we've been taught over generations, not just in our own lives is like, is beneficial. I mean, this whole conversation around vaginal exams and, and, and just people invading women, like what's, what's so fascinating to me is that almost any woman would agree that to have another person put their hands inside her vagina while she's in the birth process is absolutely excruciating. And yet we've been so entrained to this ask story to ask for it. Yeah. yeah to to totally. believe that this is, this is like something that needs to be done in our births and, and also that act specifically, but a multitude of others that are similar to it, that act is, 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 is given the weight of a successful birth. Like there are so many stories out there that, that some of the, you know, crunchiest midwives around are sharing where the the fulcrum of the birth, the turning point of the birth, the thing that's made the birth successful is the fact that the midwife has violated the mother's vagina. And well, so I guess like a devil's advocate question would be if the mother's asking for it, is it violation? Right. And I mean, we, we talked about this a moment ago before we started recording, but this is the, this is the argument that rapists make and she asked rape for it. is the foundation of industrial obstetrics. This is rape culture. This is what rape is. Rape is the argument. We are so normalized to accept things like nonsensical internal exams that everyone knows provides no benefit to mother baby provides no scientific or or is not based in any sort of real science. Everyone who's ever attended birth for any period of time understands that the cervix is totally unpredictable and not indicative of what will happen next, right? Like everyone knows that if you've been in birth work, even, even doctors know that. And yet we have this humiliation ritual. And so, yeah, it all ties back, like you said, to rape culture and and, you know, that I myself five years ago asked for it, right? Like, and, and why, you know, of course I didn't want to be fingered. It wasn't that it was that I still had a string of belief that someone else could help me orient to where I was and also to where I wasn't, which I think is part of us asking for it. You know, those of you who have, obviously you have not, Yolanda. Um, Although I guess you've asked your husband to do it in a very um, obviously non-medical kind of playful marriage way, which is, you know, distinct. But anyway, yeah, we're going off on a tangent, but. I mean, that's a funny kind of example. And I think that actually illustrates and, you know, reconfirms this idea that the very notion that it would not be sexual, like that, that, that there's like, the, right. well, of course, if a doctor is putting their hands inside, like vaginas that's how people think. are sexual. Exactly. That is how people think. And it, I mean, it, it's, it, it is a ritual humiliation. I think the primary purpose of, of this ceremony of, of invading a mother's private, I mean, most sacred space, the, the space where the baby is emerging. I mean, the whole thing is completely insane. It, it is, for the purposes of reinforcing the hierarchical power structure and ensuring that the mother knows that she really doesn't have the primary relationship with her body, that she doesn't have authority in this space, that she doesn't, she can't know her body. Someone else needs to enter her body and assess and tell her 
what's going on. And, you know, and it clarifies you're on our turf now. Yeah. Right. Like the first thing that happens when a woman comes into the system, Mm -hmm. you know, in birth is she gets fingered, she Mm -hmm. gets assessed internally and what, what the person who does that decides determines the next steps. It's interesting to note too, that a lot of the procedures that have been standardized in the industrial allopathic realm are replicated over and over and over again by licensed midwives, regulated midwives, independent midwives, you know, renegade midwives, indigenous midwives. This is all happening in in every one of these spheres. And I was actually having a conversation recently with one of our really wonderful graduates of the RBK school. And this is actually a woman, you know, we've had so many really amazing women come through the program and such interesting women with backgrounds like, you know, women who, who've been trained as obstetricians, women who've worked as um, licensed nurses in the system. And we've had quite a number of um, regulated, trained, licensed midwives who've come into the program as a part of their unraveling of, 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 of their experience of working within the system. And this one woman who trained as a, a kind of official midwife, there's so many different versions of it, but she was saying that in her training, which was quite alternative in, in the scheme of things, she was taught by her mentor or, or, or teacher that there are trigger points, that there are, there are acupressure points, there are acupressure trigger points on the surface of the cervix. And that as a holistic spiritual midwife, it's really important that we know those trigger points so that we can, we can trigger the birth if it's necessary. We can go in there and we can manipulate the mother's cervix and we can make it open and conjure the birth from this manual um, intervention, which is so fascinating to me because what it really shows is that there's always going to be some kind of bullshit justification and that the justification for invading a mother's body and violating her body and essentially performing a, you know, rape gesture in the system is just as ridiculous. Like the idea that, Oh, well, we need to assess the dilate. We need to, you know, peel away the cervical lip so that your baby can come out. That's just as ridiculous and kind of fantastical and yeah. and, And, and fabricated as is this idea that like to be a really spiritual and holistic connected midwife, you need to know those trigger points in the cervix so that you can, you know, poke the right places. Like it's all made up nonsense. And not only is it incredibly painful and totally unnecessary for anyone to be inside of a mother's vagina when she's trying to give birth to her baby, it's actually harmful it's harmful. It is counterproductive. We are interfering with birth and we are creating a situation where we're putting the mother and the baby in danger, I think. And so it's an example, again, of just the entire frame of how birth is understood is so distorted. And when women ask, you know, or we have these discussions about what is authentic midwifery, And these kind of, you know, there's like little sort of, you know, little arguments in all of the the birth communities. Like everyone has an idea that what they're doing is is, is the right way to do it. And what I think is that I I don't really think there ever has been a midwifery in the way that you and I and a very, very small number of other women in the world are constructing it right now or that that hasn't existed in recent or written history. Because when I look over um, ancient midwifery texts, you know, midwifery texts from, from the Renaissance or from medieval times, what I'm reading are horrific accounts of incredible sabotage and abuse being done to women by these, you know, local village midwives. And I'm hearing and seeing the same sorts of stories being recounted by women who are involved in, you know, existing indigenous midwifery communities today. It it just, 
I think we actually really are entering into a period of quite enormous revolution and, 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 and revelation even in terms of how our bodies work. And this is so connected to, you know, the self-healing movement and this, this understanding that our bodies actually just work really, really well. And all of this stuff that we are applying to, to birth and, and to the healing of disease is far more embedded, deeply, deeply embedded in an allopathic perspective than we than we really understand i think as a culture and and individuals too right because anything trying to fix or save is rooted in that consciousness which you're saying so many historical midwifery accounts and as you say in in this course that we're now including with the rbk school (laughs) i i wish i had the line pulled up because it's great you say something like you know, I'm not pretending that all their practices were helpful or great, but at least they were independent. (laughs) You say it better than that, but I love that line because right, at least they were independent. And we know that women and let's say the birth community have this kind of funny romanticization of historical midwifery And, you know, what you're referencing is that you haven't actually found all these texts of what we would say is authentic midwifery of this consciousness of spontaneous healing and alignment with physiological birth, you know, all of the stuff that we talk about in the school and and the way in which we practice midwifery um, that you haven't been able to find all of this historical midwifery proof that that is how it used to be practiced. But that's certainly the notion that women midwives doulas have just made up as far as I know. I feel like we'd know about these books if they existed, which kind of leads us to one of the basic points we wanted to explore today, which was you and I, you know, behind closed doors are very frequently having this conversation around this idea of two types or or two I don't know if we'd call them stages or maybe we'll just call them types, two different consciousnesses. And that there's a tremendous amount of confusion around these consciousnesses. It's obvious that the one in which we're all familiar with and which our world exists within is the allopathic model, the fixing, the saving hierarchy, you know, every uh, medical, every midwifery paradigm we're kind of referencing actually exists within that. Obviously hospitals and doctors and all of that. Okay. And then there's this other consciousness that you and I are playing in. And that is where we would place free birth. That's where we would place life outside of the medical paradigm. And that's where we would place authentic midwifery. But then it gets kind of complicated, I think, because then there's also a lot of confusion between the two or people who can they actually straddle maybe not, but they think they're straddling, you know, the two and existing in both. Um, and, and there's no, you know, like clear line here. Like it takes, it takes time, I think for all of us to learn how to spend more time in this consciousness over here. You know, I'd say you of anyone I know in my life have the longest actual years of practicing living in the consciousness in which I'm referencing, you know, that, that, because it's not just about birth, it's about spontaneous healing. Like you said, it's about so much, so much, you know, autonomy, or I don't even know the right words that would come up. Yeah. Sovereignty is like the buzzword right now that really is outside of this victim consciousness in which we need to be saved in so many different ways. Um, so yeah, let's, let's kind of flesh that out. I'd rather you do it than me. Uh, let's flesh that out of, of these two types of consciousness, because I think the more we can put language to it and kind of invite women into thinking about that. I know for me with you and I talking about this for years and getting more clear on how to distinguish so much of what we observe and, and participate in, in the world. Yeah. Having language to talk about these two again, for lack of a better way of framing it, two types of consciousness can be really helpful to the the other conversation, which is what is free birth? What is authentic midwifery? What isn't it? 
and mm-hmm. just a real quick circle back, I have a line pulled up from our course that kind of what you were referencing earlier is that our current cultural belief is that there's lots of options inside the system, but there's no option to not be in the system, right? Meaning, again, if we were to place it with these, let's say, clouds of consciousness, everyone's in this one over here. And they they don't know necessarily they are because they're home birthing or they're midwives or whatever. But there's this whole other playground of untangling from that and a totally different way of seeing the body, seeing life, interacting with life that, yeah, is more where we are attempting to articulate today. Okay. Take it from there. I'm going to shut up. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What have you done? (laughs) You know, you know what I'm trying to say, so just help me. Well, you know, yes, I do think that it's incredibly important to be continuously talking about this and, and, and maybe ineptly searching for ways to describe these distinctions, especially because I mean, you know, as well as I do that, I mean, we're we're constantly coming across very well-meaning birth keepers and midwives who will say things like, you know, I just attended the most beautiful, physiological, spontaneous birth. It was wonderful. And we go, oh, amazing. Tell us more. And they proceed to describe a, an absolutely mind-bogglingly horrific scenario in which the mother is being pressured and coerced and bothered and ir- the whole thing, right? Oh. So <clears throat> yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting. And, and this really comes back to exactly what you're saying, this idea that, you know, there's, it's funny to me actually that there's so much discussion around free birth versus attended birth and what the distinctions are and, and there's even, I even come across sometimes this, this note, but you know, we've received this kind of criticism, actually, you and I, in, in terms of the school, like, I thought they were free birth advocates. And what are they doing now creating a midwifery school? And it's like, guys, guys, you're not, you're not getting it. We're actually talking about what, what, what birth really is and what birth can, can be. And very few people recognize that birth is just normal. It's just a normal, spontaneous, biological unfolding. And that every single situation and event in our lives can be fatal. And there's nothing more complicated about birth than any of the other. I mean, I came across a, someone shared the other day, a meme, and it was something about you know, if, if our culture decided that, you know, babies needed to go to walking school starting at three months old, and they needed to be, you know, taught how to walk within a couple of generations, we'd have, a you know, a, a, a world where like people didn't know how to walk and walking was totally dysfunctional. And I think that's actually a very accurate example of what's been done to birth. Uh-huh. We have all been entrained and yeah. conditioned to it, there's just, it's, it's, it's unacceptable. It's, it's, it's people cannot wrap their minds around this idea it's that funny, though. just can work. It is, it is funny, but it's also, um, I think it's also a testament to how programmable we are. Totally. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. We are, we are, we are living creatures and this I mean, idea that we're that- incapable of giving birth to ourselves, this it's a form of madness. It is a form of large scale cultural madness that we as a people have been. So I don't even know the right word. Like you said, brainwashed to go so far against our instincts. I was listening to podcasts recently on Joe Rogan with a trauma addiction therapist, and 
he was talking about how he was born in a Jewish family to, under Nazi regime, regime. So, you know, unbearably stressful and, and scary. And his mother gave birth in a kind of ward clinic place. And she writes him when he's just a couple hours old, there's a letter he has, and he shares it on the podcast. And it, it says something like, my dear, you know, son, you're laying in the bassinet next to me crying. And I know you're hungry, but the doctor said, you're not due for your next bottle for two more hours. And this is so hard to watch, but I'll, you know, feed you in two hours. And so he goes on to talk about the, essentially the willingness to betray your own instincts just from this lens of, you know, fascination, really, that it is, it is fascinating, you know, that, that we as mothers are, are so willing to hurt our children, you know, and to separate from them and to shoot them up with stuff we don't understand. And, and just, wow, wow. What does that say about yeah, everything you just said about where we're at and, and how programmable it all is, because there are very clear biological instincts and acts, you know, and events. You know, when you're when you say this, Emily, what actually comes to mind is that I think what we're dealing with, the state of birth, illustrates a combination of profound instinct injury, which is such an amazing term that Sister Morningstar. Uh, coined combined with immense spiritual fracture because what's really missing in all these conversations around birth or, or many of them is that birth is not just a physiological biological event it's also the most potent experience of spiritual connection connection to god that's available to any of us and you know this is what i'm talking about in my my program portal that i just released but also given that given given how integrated birth is in terms of the physical and the spiritual i think this goes back to the observation that both you and i have had that there is a very significant purpose to destroying birth in a cultural, on a cultural level and, and uh, in terms of the individual. It really does create a population that is very effectively docile and disciplined to submit to whatever it is. I mean, that story of the, 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 the Jewish mother and her baby, I mean, it's, it's, Yes, I can imagine, because this is what we see every single day. And this is what we hear every single day. And this is what birth has become. We're just completely as a society divorced from what what, what, what birth even is. I had a a client years ago when I was still a doula who had a pretty great birth at a birth center, pretty straightforward, came home. I left, had her first night with the baby. Next day I call her and I say, you know, how did last night go? And she said, oh, it was just terrible. Um, the baby cried all night. And I said, oh my goodness, you know, what, what was going on? And she said, well, I mean, he was in the other room and in the crib and I just laid there in my bed, you know, crying because he just wouldn't sleep. And I'll never forget her. Cause I was like, that's actual insanity you just had this normal ish i mean yeah she went in a car yeah she had a birth center birth but like on the scale of interventions fairly minimal um you know has this birth feels good about it comes home same day and then abandons her child all night and is in stress it wasn't like it was nothing you know she said it was horrible she stayed up all night crying i mean what a bizarre thing to do very strange Yeah. I mean, our whole perspective, our, our entire philosophy is like, it's, it's, it's so simple. And the simplicity of it is what (laughs) the simplicity of it is what is like, it's, it's, it's a a glitch for most people. Like Mm -hmm. the people just can't understand. You can just allow birth to work and that you have reverence for it. And you protect mothers by not bugging them and messing with them and screwing with their bodies. And then and you the just baby like just pick comes your baby out. and you just pick your baby up. Like, oh. <laughs> like, like yeah. it's so our, our, our approach to birth 
and our perspective and our philosophy of authentic midwifery is immensely conservative. It's immensely simple. It's immensely straightforward. It has an internal logic that I don't really think can be argued with. And here we are in this, in this situation where midwives themselves cannot resist replicating the very same interventions, you know, in, with some variation sometimes, um, often with the veneer of like, oh, well, I'm going to do this terrible invasive procedure, but I'm going to like sing a song while I do uh -huh. it. Like that, that, that shit literally. Happens. Oh, I know. I was thinking <laughs> that when you were talking about the, the midwifery stuff earlier, um, there's a story on this podcast, a woman from Denmark, who's a graduate from our school too, who has this horrible story about her first midwife who did all these rituals with her and took her out into the woods and they sang around the fire. And there was all this really epic rite of passage, ceremonial bonding between the two of them. And then she just abuses the shit out of her during the birth or the woman in Bali about C-sectioning her and then coming over and doing these rituals of pretending the baby came out of, of her yoni and being there for her as she, you know, repairs the just, I mean, yeah, it's so sick. It's so, so sick and frequent. I mean, I hear these stories. Yeah. Often we hear them all. And, and yeah, that's the other thing too. I mean, both you and I have been so embedded in sort of the other side of these kind, these very perverted relationships between perverted. midwives and women because women come to us to do trauma debriefs often in the beginning not even realizing that they were abused i mean there of course industrial hospital birth is horrific but at least there's something up front about it you know when you walk through the totally. hospital doors you know you're going to get cut you know you're going to get abused that's just part of it i mean it's, it's, there's more, I think, increasing awareness of that, but the whole midwifery grooming experience that so many women go through is really, it's, painful. it's, it's very painful and it's incredibly psychologically damaging because you're told you're going to get one thing and you're treated with what seems like love and reverence and sisterhood sisterhood exactly uh -huh. and then either all of that goes away or that the 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 the, the surface level of that remains while the midwife is doing all these things that are painful and horrific and damaging and counterproductive and harmful to mothers and babies during birth i mean it's just it's really awful and 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 i understand fully that those midwives are also replicating the kind of grooming and abuse that they themselves received in their own births, that they have been trained to believe, truly believe that what they're doing to mothers is necessary and excusable because of the sort of spiritual vibes that they're giving out while doing this stuff. Uh, but I, I think it's, I think the time has come actually to really yeah. speak to all of this honestly and openly and to actively share the truth about birth, which is that all of this stuff for the most part can be prevented. All of the situations that are called complications and, and emergencies very often can be simply prevented and birth just can work birth just can it, it, okay this this is also i think really important the the scope of what midwives birth professionals medical professionals recognize as acceptable and normal in a birth is far broader than we've been taught there there's babies are more resilient than we've been taught, even though at the same time, the fact that so many babies survive industrial birth, I think is evidence of how incredibly uh, resilient we really are. But that's another, that's another one of the sort of um, reversals that is, that is so embedded in our system that we don't, we're not able to see it. Like it's hidden in plain sight, right? Like, 
what we see as a culture is, oh my goodness, you know, babies are so delicate and that's why we have to cut mothers and rip babies out and cut their umbilical cords within seconds and, you know, remove, you know, separate them from their mothers when it's, it's, it's the, it's the opposite. (laughs) Like what we're doing to mothers and babies is endangering our species on a level that's so much greater, more profound, more important, more impactful than just those individual life and death situations. We have built into our culture instinct injury on a level that impacts every aspect of our world. I mean, we can see it all around us. And I think we we are living in a time right now where more and more people are truly waking up and starting to recognize that all this stuff that we have been led to believe is not just normal, but necessary, like it's actually messing things up. We don't need to do any of that. Like life can be a lot more simple than, than we've been taught. We don't need this whole apparatus. And yet what's happening in the construction and the entrenchment of these forms of technological intervention that are present in in every area and every stage of life is that I do actually see that there is a kind of parallel, um, there are parallel societies being built. More and more there are people who are seeing what's happening and really making active choices in many areas of their lives, not just birth, but also just overall health to extricate themselves from these systems. Um, And to really reclaim their humanity, which I think is what this is about, ultimately, while the technocratic machine, on the other hand, just keeps ramping things up and moving society towards, I think, what the the intention really is a transhumanist future. So this conversation is so much more than birth. Totally. Yes. Yeah. And I think the longer that I'm in the the world of birth happening outside of the medical paradigm the more confident i am to speak about what i'm seeing which is i'm not seeing anything go wrong i'm not seeing hemorrhages i'm not hearing about hemorrhages of course some babies will still be born not alive you know there's no there's no mammal who's eradicated stillbirth. And I say this like with a lot of sensitivity and, 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 and um, I'm not meaning this cavalier at all, but I I don't know that that's a problem. Right. I think that that's just a part of life trying to come in that stillbirth happens everywhere in all mammalian species, you know, across, across the board. So aside from that, you know, I, I, it is a very, I could count on one hand in the last seven years that I have even heard of a story of a baby being born term that needed true medical support. And, and also within that realm, a baby who was born alive that then died right? Because there's so much concern and fear around first breaths and newborn transition. And I've been talking to sister Morningstar a lot about it lately in the last couple of months. And for those of you who bought the bundle, her talk on newborn breaths is so good. And it's, she has way more, you know, standing experience with this than I do because she's 70. And, you know, her, her take on it was that, um, 1%, less than 1% of newborns will need support beyond what a mother can give. And that 1% is premature and or deformed, I believe was her quote from the bundle thing interview. And that's her own observation. And yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that because, you know, when I first got into the free birth stuff, there was so much, what about this? And what about this? And that's so irresponsible. And it took me a while. Like I had been attending births very quietly and privately not talking about it to anyone other than my husband, you know, for a couple of years, but that's like a pretty small sample size of the experience. And now having interviewed thousands of women, coached thousands of women being in, you know, these memberships with, you know, hundreds of women who are choosing this. And I have a much broader 
framework of reality. And what I'm seeing is that there's no problems, you know, and it's a rare day. Literally, I can count on one hand. I mean, at some point I need to do legitimate surveys about this, I think, because it would be very cool to have some collected data on this. But in my own observation and what I can track, you know, being a pretty central uh, person in this whole thing and literally being connected to thousands and thousands of birthing women around the world who are making these choices, you just don't hear about emergencies, complications, things like, you know, all these scary what ifs that everyone needs to work out when they start, start to step outside of the medical paradigm. And, you know, that really ties into me being on the verge of birth and how different it feels in my system than five years ago when I was still working and I'll always be working stuff out. But I mean, five years later to have been inundated with the normalcy, right. Of this and, and to realize in five years, I've never talked with a woman who's had a physiological birth who also had a true hemorrhage. Never once. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I have not, I haven't heard the story. There are women out there who think they have. And then when we debrief it, it's clear that they haven't. So great. Okay. So that's pretty interesting because hemorrhage is one of the biggest hot topics of why women submit to the system, why women let their midwives bring pit, why midwives bring pit. I mean, the whole machine, right? And I'm not seeing it in our communities and in normal physiological birth. And then you get into like the super freak, you know, emergencies like uh, a, a cord prolapse leading to death. And, you know, I've heard of that one time, one time in the last seven years. Um, again, I'm not saying that it's not happening in a larger scale that I'm not aware of, but my point is that I've just gotten so much more clarity and confidence and integration of the smoke and mirrors of how set up we are to be afraid and to think we're going to be that special percent. And it just doesn't make any sense. Right. And so, yeah, it, it feels so much, you know, for myself, just as a, as a woman on the verge of birth, it feels so different now to have just spent the last five years stepping deeper into this other consciousness that, that we referenced earlier, that is sincerely in alignment with, with what I actually know to be true. And it is radically different than what I've been told right? And of course, like you just were naming, it doesn't stop with birth. It's like everything it's food, it's education. It's, it's, it's literally everything, you know, that the sun turns out, doesn't give us cancer, you know, like all this stuff that, you know, has just been blowing my mind as I've learned to think for myself and to sense what is actually true in my world, in my consciousness, what is actually true with, with the planet, you know, and with the people and, and it's birth is yes, of course, this like epicenter of uh, kind of like the center of the flower, right? Because once you start to unravel the lies around birth, then we're looking at the lies around our body because it's the same thing. And then it just goes on from there. So yeah, it it's, I'd like to kind of turn us back to this consciousness articulation again, because it's on my mind a lot that this idea of what ifs doesn't even occur to me anymore. It's like a, it's like a elementary game. It doesn't, it's not even a part of the way I think, you know, and it is very much so the main layer of questions you and I get, you know, what if, what if emergencies, what if, you know, for women who are going to have DIY births, it's something I'm of course happy to talk about, but the way in which I talk about it and my confidence in and true understanding has changed with so much clarity, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not, as you said, it's just not even part of my, right. It's not part of my world. Like, I don't live in that world at all. Like what, if, what if what, like, right? what if, <laughs> what if a freak thing happens? Yeah. I mean, what if a plane mm -hmm. crashes into my house? Like it mm -hmm. could, we could sit here and argue that it is possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, goes on. But, yeah. Those kinds of scenarios for me are, are as, as likely and relevant right. as like, oh my gosh, what if your babies, I don't know. Like what if, yeah. 
what if anything at any point, like birth to me is so much more, so much safer, so much more predictable, so much more secure than like just the stuff I have to do today running errands. Like, oh my, there's like motorcycles everywhere. Right. You're interacting like, with like thousands of different karmas <laughs> right. and, and totally. Whereas this is just like you and your baby. Like I'm just giving birth. It's so, yeah. so simple. In so your own easy. home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. And, you know, I see so many, and this is a big part of what the, the this sort of problem that we are solving in the school is that it's also completely reasonable that a first time mother feels this sense of anticipation, moments of fear, and really wants the support of a wise woman to guide her. That's very aligned, I think, with our biology. I think it makes sense that any kind of rite of passage, any transformational significant experience, and birth is incredibly significant. I mean, it's, I, I talk about this all the time, but you know, birth is on one hand, the most straightforward, normal thing, like day in the life, as well as being the most transformational, precious, incredible experience of our lives. So- Almost like you're saying that a woman who is, and this is what our program does, is like deeper integrated into this consciousness is there to guide the newer women, right? Absolutely. Like that's, that's kind of a cool way to frame it because that's so much of what our school is, is to help women understand how to spend more time in this liberation consciousness so that when women desire that kind of guidance and support and, and coaching and education and all of that, you know, that's where we're taking women, Right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I see my role when I work with one-on-one with, with mothers is to really offer a foundation of support so that I can witness their own unraveling of all of these ideas and to guide them to get to a place where they feel like their birth is exciting and wonderful and they're not, you know, caught up in all of these stories and cultural artifacts, which actually is what I think most of these fears and what ifs are, are all about. They're not, there's, they're not rooted in, you know, anything that's actually real unless you are continuing into that whole system where it then actually becomes real because it's created by the system, right? The what ifs are made manifest by the standard procedures and operations of the system. Like it's a perfect system. It It require it. Exactly. And that's also something that is very challenging for people to wrap their minds around Mm -hmm. this whole idea that industrial obstetrics is the thing that saved humanity. Like that is, that is such a core program in this culture. And I mean, it's hard to argue this. And I actually, I don't, I don't spend any time arguing with people who, who are like, well, what, what about in the like 1600s when everyone died in childbirth? Like the fact okay. is no one knows anything. We don't know anything. What I know is that birth absolutely works beautifully when it's not being messed with and sabotaged. And yeah, like you said, I, you know, I've been in this world for 20 years and I see so many problems complications, emergencies among women who are putting themselves into that context, into the industrial realm, whether it's the industrial realm being brought into their homes or they're leaving their homes to go to birth centers and hospitals. Yeah, there are a ton of stories. I mean, there are almost no stories of none of that, of that not happening in those kinds of situations, but we are in these communities where women are actually reclaiming their bodies and are actually going pretty well. <laughs> it's going really, really well. Yeah. And we, it's so exciting. We have so much time now to track it, yeah. you know, I mean, really like, wow, you know, free birth society is coming up on its sixth year. So that's a long time. And then soon it'll be 16 years, you know, to track for myself, you know, you've got more time in it. You know, sister Morningstar has that quote, you don't see the forest floor covered in dead primates. You just don't, right? It's it's not, you know, the birth is happening all the time. And if it was so dangerous 
we would see a lot of dead animals. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I have a, I, in my, my private community, there was a woman who, um, who joined about six months ago and, you know, she was in her early pregnancy and I had a session with her and it was just so interesting and so refreshing to chat with her. She was in her twenties, her first pregnancy. And she just said, you know, I'm really not, I don't really have any concerns. And I just feel like my birth is going to go really well. And it's just going to be me and my partner. And I'm just really excited. And I think it'll be great. And a week ago, she gave birth to her daughter and she shared a photograph of herself, just like naked, covered in blood, holding her little baby. And that's what it was. And, you know, she received some support in our communities. And I think these kinds of spaces are important for that reason. But ultimately, she just knew that this was just birth and it just happened and she just did it. And or she decided it. She decided it. Yeah, she did. She really did. She just, I mean, it's something that even this idea of like, well, we have to actively, it's just ours. It's just ours to claim. Well, and everyone needs different, you know, like we have women, I have women on the podcast who, you know, were like, yeah, I got pregnant and didn't really care about reading any books. And I just went into the woods and had a baby, you know, and it's their first babies and it wasn't heady and, and to actually read books and talk about it felt more heady than it, than it needed to be for them. And then of course there's other women who need to unravel a lot of the cerebral layers in order to go out into the forest, you know, and choose that as well. And that's what's so cool about it. Cause it's primarily psychological, you know, how we're interacting with really a biological yeah. event. Yeah. I, I had a, a pretty recently, a couple of days ago, I had, you know, a moment of, Oh, right. Okay. This is, this is uh, I think I turned to my girlfriend, Hannah Grace and was like, it's going to hurt. <laughs> and just, you know, had one of those like, right. I'm at the end. A baby is whoo. Wow. Okay. So that's real. And, and I turned to her and said that, and she just smiled at me and said, what if it didn't? And I was like, right. And what if either is fine. Right. And it just kind of helped click me back into, I hadn't, I haven't thought about this birth pretty much at all, which I think is pretty common with your, with your second and life is so busy and blah, blah, blah. And so really in this last week, it's only the, for the first time occurred to me, um, or where I've really actually spent some time thinking about what if it was great? You know, like what if it, what, what, how good could it be instead of perhaps an older script of like getting through it and hoping it goes well and yeah, trying on kind of a newer, a newer lens that I feel way more connected to. Yeah. Well, another layer of all of this for me uh, after nine babies is the realization that the story that birth is inherently painful or even intense or even laborious is absolutely a cultural artifact. And it's a choice that we can, um, you know, we can make the choice to. Well, exactly. Well, like the woman you just told that story about, I mean, I know enough women who are emerging from their births in total simplicity, you know, where that's not the script at all. You know, many of my very, very, very close friends describe their births as not intense, not painful, mm-hmm. which, yeah, when I think about my birth, the only thing that was intense about it was my own weird thing about how long it was. The, the physicality of it was not painful. That's not even the right word. It was the headiness of getting into that. It was taking too long which yeah, is important to remember. Cause I never was like, Oh, it's so painful. I can't handle it. That never even occurred to me. I just wanted it to be over. <laughs> timeline story too, is such an interesting one. Like all of these arbitrary timelines that are placed right. on birth in various different ways in the system are all just made up. Right. I mean, my four day long birth, which could I mean, you know, what is the timeline of a birth anyway? You know, how, how, how having contractions right now? Like, yeah, exactly. I labor? Right now there. So yeah. Johnny was like, maybe you're going to wake up and just go, ah, and hand him a baby. 
Like, that okay. happens. Women experience totally. that. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. I have an 11 minute birth story on my podcast where mm-hmm. she just got up, went and peed, waters opened. By the time she got back to the bed, she had a baby in her arms. Yeah. I had a, I worked with a woman who had that story too a while ago. Well, I did want to say that I actually feel, in, I don't know, maybe this isn't very helpful. <laughs> say it anyway. I I think this is helpful actually. I feel incredibly lucky to have avoided the kind of indoctrination that occurs in midwifery schools, midwifery programs, academic midwifery training things, uh, and even apprenticeship situations. Because as I've spent the years unraveling my own conditioning, the more unraveling of that conditioning that I do, the more I recognize that there is still lots of conditioning left to unravel. Uh, The more I see that any of those options would have made my present state of understanding maybe impossible, inaccessible, I would be a completely different person now. And I'm immensely grateful for the fact that I learned birth work in the field, on the job, working one-on-one with women directly over the years, having my own babies. And I see now, and this is a big reason that you and I started the school, there are no other options available for women to learn birth from the perspective that women really own their bodies, that our bodies actually function, that the body is wise, that, uh, there are many, many ways to sabotage and destroy birth and really only one way to properly support it. And there's lots of nuances in that, but birth is what it is. And very few people actually understand how birth works, what it's for, what it can be, what's available to us through birth. And that, you know, this is one of the reasons I'm so incredibly proud of the Radical Birthkeeper School, because it is absolutely unique. There is no one else who's approaching birth from the perspective that we do. And for most women, especially women who've trained as doulas, who've already been in the birth world, who are you know coming from regulated midwifery or industrial obstetrics, as many of our students have been, the most important piece is in unraveling and unpacking how we have been programmed and then really recreating our consciousness from the ground up from this foundational perspective that birth is ours and it and it works because so few people really get it and that it's that it's such inside out work right it doesn't happen in this like independent vacuum over here where you're also living in chaos and toxic relationships eating shitty food taking ibuprofen, you know, every five seconds, like it's this whole framework of life and of service and of interacting with the two that really create what we're teaching in the radical birth keeper school and, and how we live. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's also so important in, in being able to bring this work forth into our lives and the lives of our, of the women in our communities is understanding how the political, uh, economic, relational, and physical, physiological dynamics work together. The politics of midwifery is not just, you know, how all of these various certifications function. The politics of midwifery is really the politics of authority and the politics of discipline and what it actually means to be a sovereign self-owned person and how that is at the foundation of actually being in right relationship with with the women that we're serving Mm -hmm. how i think people don't actually understand how authentic service is really possible because again we've been so entrained in this model of uh, competition and hierarchy and rivalry and, um, yeah. and also 
giving away our power as mothers um, and, and the belief that we are dependent on someone else, some other institution, a savior, someone to examine our vaginas, whatever, right? It's, it's just, it's so embedded. I mean, I think even just the concept of hierarchy deserves so much time, you know, that we don't have today, but to talk about because pretty much every relationship until you figure out how not to do it is rooted in positioning yourself as either above or below them. You're either more or less powerful than them. You feel either more or less powerful than your partner or your mom or your doctor or your midwife or your sister and so on. And until that's truly processed, like in your own social life, family life, and, and you can understand how that plays out in every single relationship dynamic in, you know, in our lives. Um, it, I think it makes, how do I say it? Like you can't do it in birth until you've done it in every personal relationship. Right. So there's so much cool stuff to talk about, which obviously we talk about in the school um, of what does this concept even mean? It's not just a buzzword, but this non-hierarchical midwifery support is one of the things that lights us up the most because we've both in our own ways figured out how to do it and figured out how to show up with women in these really integral or integrity-based self-responsibility. It's just really exciting how, how birth attending has changed for me as I've figured out how to do that. And then obviously our school is, is taking it to the next level of how to actually teach it. And I really hear you on the apprenticeship model and the, the lack of it today. Well, any good one. And yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm also glad I didn't get, I mean, I did have an, an apprenticeship for medical midwifery and then um, obviously moved on from that, but I did see the, the cost of you know, I didn't want to speak up because I didn't want to piss her off and I didn't want to ask too many questions or what about when stuff didn't feel right. And it wasn't an in, in integrity, you know, dynamic, plus it was medical midwifery. But, you know, my hope is that the women who are called to this work and this program and who want mentorship from women who are actually doing this, like you and I, they can learn to be the preceptors. They can learn to be, you know, the, the mentors to the next generation. And we just have to start somewhere. Yeah. So there's lots of new, new cool elements to the program. If you're hearing this between October through January of 2022, 2023, then check us out at radicalbirthkeeperschool.com. And we are including a whole new passive course within the program called the foundations of authentic midwifery that we're really proud of and excited about to have um, provide yeah, the foundational understanding of a lot of what we touched on today and kind of went fast through. And we added an extra class, a weekly workshop to slow down a lot of our teachings and provide more integration. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited to, excited to see who shows up as always and get more authentic midwife consciousness out there in the world. I'm really excited too. And I think you know, obviously one of the, one of the biggest pieces of feedback has just been how incredibly all-encompassing and in some cases overwhelming the material is. So we're just, we're pacing ourselves and really wanting to make sure that what we're sharing is accessible and applicable and really wanting to initiate women into this work in ways that will allow them to step into it um, practically in their communities. It's really a uh, yeah, exciting it's, times. It's very exciting. And this is a new paradigm of midwifery. It's not a replication of the old school traditional midwifery of before, which. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right though. All right. Well, okay. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. 
Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise, and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts. Keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back.